0: Welcome to episode 88 of the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. This is the final episode of 2020 and the... <laughs> best of 2020 episode. This one is part year in review, part best of. What I'm going to do in this episode is this. I took all of the episodes from 2020. There were 56 episodes in all. A little side note. Wow. That's a lot of episodes, and there are only 52 weeks in a year. How did I end up with 56 episodes in 2020? It must have been extra holiday specials or something like that. Well, whatever. I took all the episodes from 2020. I broke them down month by month. I then chose my favorite episodes like interview-type episodes, history-type of episodes, and then also my favorite songs of each month, and I made a list. I do want to say these episodes and these songs are my favorites. Everything on the Bobcast is like my favorite. These episodes and songs were special to me. They really stood out for some reason. Going back to how this whole thing worked, I had 12 episodes. I was going to cut a short segment or sample out of each of those episodes for this one. And on top of that, I was going to play 12 songs, one song for each month. That would have ended up being a very even, kind of month-by-month sampler of the Bobcast. But that was way too long for one episode. That'd be like a a two-and-a-half-hour, three-hour-long episode or something like that. So this is what I ended up doing. I cut that list of episodes and songs in half. I chose six segments from six different episodes and six, well, actually seven, but you'll see. Songs from six different episodes to make this episode fairly short and to the point and a very good overall representation of the things that make me love this podcast. I could have just said here's a best of 2020 episode and moved on, but no, I do love to talk way too much. Mostly I'm explaining it because it was fucking hard for me to choose what to play in this episode. I love everything that came out in 2020, every single episode that I did, I love. I wanted to play it all, every episode, they're all my favorite. That would be close to 80 hours of shit, though, right? Something like that. And no one needs a Bobcast Marathon right around New Year's. We'll just stick to the Twilight Zone Marathons, right? That's my policy. I would like to note this episode is dedicated to the memory of John Bunch, the singer of the band Sensefield, who you'll be hearing at the very end of this episode, with kind of the perfect song to close this whole godforsaken year of 2020 out with. That song is going to be a cover of the song Happy Christmas, War Is Over, and that wraps this whole thing up, this whole holiday season, the whole year of 2020, wraps it all up perfectly for me. And a happy new year, right? Yeah, there you go. Sadly, John Bunch passed away on January 31st, 2016, at the age of 45, so I would like to dedicate this episode to him. Coming up right now, before we get to the best of stuff, are a few words from this episode's sponsor, Discount Cemetery, who, by the way, are having an amazing sale right now, besides what you get to hear about in the ad that's coming up. Sales from the Crypt is the name of this diabolical discount event where you can save up to 75% off on certain items. The Sales from the Crypt event starts at 12 a.m. on December 31st of 2020. This episode should be out by then. So why don't you go to www.discountcemetery.com and check it out. Also, use code PARTYWITHBOB at checkout to save 20% off of your entire order. Wow. Why don't you go ahead and follow Discount Cemetery on Instagram? It's simply at Discount Cemetery because they've got something really cool coming up on New Year's Day. It's a New Year's Day Twilight Zone Marathon Trivia Contest. I'm going to tune in. You can bet Rod Serling's last cigarette on that little fact. Well, here's Discount Cemetery with a final 2020 holiday season message just for you. Please stay tuned.
1: All we do is work, work, work these days. There are So many Discount Cemetery t-shirts, sweatshirts, vintage jerseys, raglins, and accessories going into Santa's sleigh this year. Don't these people know it's Christmas, not Halloween? Yeah, I've packed more of these burbs, movie t-shirts, and sweatshirts than PlayStation 5s. You know what else? I think we might go over the sleigh's weight limit with all these Craftsylvania bundles. Anyway, Discount Cemetery clothing looks good any time of year. What's the Craftsylvania bundle you mentioned back there? I'm glad you asked. The Craftsylvania bundle is a Discount Cemetery Groundskeeper sweatshirt and a pair of handmade fantastic earrings. Only $34.99 if you order soon. Wow, the sweatshirt and the earrings even glow in the dark. I guess Santa won't need Rudolph to guide his sleigh tonight. That's okay. I heard Rudolph went full Q and painted Make America Great Again on his nose. The next thing you know, he'll be calling Santa a socialist for giving out free stuff. Shh! We better get back to work. It's almost Christmas Eve and I think I hear Santa coming.
0: Ho, ho, ho! Let's go!
1: We've got a sleigh full of Discount Cemetery's finest goods to deliver to all the nice people of the world on this Christmas Eve. There are
0: so many people on the nice list, and they all wanted Discount Cemetery clothing and accessories this year. Hmm, maybe they all went to www.discountcemetery.com and used the code Bob for 20% off of their entire order of the finest and creep-tastic clothing to be found south of the North Pole. I know I wouldn't be caught dead in anything but discount cemetery clothing when I'm not working. Speaking of work, time to ho-ho-go! Thank you, Discount Cemetery, for everything you have done for the Bobcast in 2020. I do appreciate it so, so much. January of 2020. Do you remember those heady days? So innocent, so COVID-free. The year 2020 was looking to be a good year for me, personally, at least. I had a ton of ideas for the Bobcast. I was getting some sponsors lined up. The sky was the limit. Sadly, though, in 2020, at the very beginning... One of my favorite series of episodes was coming to a close, coming to an end. The Danzig Misfits series is what I'm talking about. Part three of the Danzig series came out in January 2020. That was episode 33 on January 10th. The shit-talking history of the Dark Lord of Lodi, New Jersey, Glenn Anzalone, was epic and eye-opening for me. I learned so much about the Misfits Sam Hain, or Sawen, if you're a purist, and Danzig. I learned some good stuff. I learned some not so good stuff. I do still love Danzig from the Misfits era and on, so that says something, I think. The clip you're about to hear is what Danzig thinks about what it is to be punk these days and some of his personal political views. Danzig was asked if he still felt like he was punk. To which he replied, certainly more than any of those other fucking poser losers, okay, okay, hey, angry little old man, you, Jesus Christ, he does come off like an asshole with that statement a little bit, a little bitter, a little like, well, back when I was a punk, you know, Yeah, 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 I get it, I know, I did a whole fucking podcast about it back when I was a punk. So I get it, Danzig, okay, you're just having a bad day, probably. Let's talk about Danzig's politics. He has some pretty interesting views on politics, and, uh, you know, on the conspiracy-level stuff, he has some really interesting views. Uh, uh, In this interview I mentioned above, this Invisible Oranges interview, Danzig is talking about a new book that he just got, and it was all about something called Atlantean Viril spelled V-R-I-L and how you could make a super weapon out of it like a sonic weapon and about all the powers the major powers of World War II how they were searching for this Atlantean Vril in order to make this weapon to beat the other guys into submission Uh, that's like next level that's like believing in Atlantis level conspiracy shit that's pretty intense Uh, that's to me that's really fucking intense i think oh now also danzig claims that the fbi had a file on him for a long time and his band during the late 80s for his like supposed satanic activities and occult stuff blah 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 whatever maybe they actually really did danzig has also claimed that every assassination of any u.s president was carried out by the U.S. government itself, not like a lone wolf or anything like that. It was all orchestrated by the government to kill the head of said government. At least Danzig's not a flat earther, right? Or is he? Is he? I ooh, I don't know. I couldn't find it. I tried looking. Is Danzig a, a flat earther? Google that. You won't get shit. You'll get some weird stuff, but is Glenn Danzig a flat earther he might be I couldn't find anything to confirm or deny it so I don't want to make that claim but I don't mean to stick that you know little bug in your ear Yeah, I'm not going to go into all the conspiracy stuff that Danzig is into because we would be here all fucking night he is into a bunch of weird conspiracy stuff the guy is a voracious reader which no fault in him I think that's rad that's incredible he reads some strange fucking books so he does and that's cool too he might believe it a little bit too much, though, and that's a little bit weird. Politics-wise, he seems to be kind of a middle-of-the-road kind of guy, but a little bit on the weird side, if you ask me. In his words, he says he's a conservative on some issues, and he's more liberal on other issues. Danzig also states he is pro-abortion and pro-Planned Parenthood, but he doesn't think Planned Parenthood... Should be, quote, selling baby parts like a chop shop in Brooklyn, end quote. Uh, And that, my friends, is a reference to this right wing piece of shit's efforts to demonize Planned Parenthood of a few years ago by spreading massive lies about. Holy fuck, yeah, this guy's a piece of shit. His name, this dude's who Danzig bought into this guy's bullshit. His name was uh, David. Deledin. I don't even care if I say this fucker's name right. David Deledin. He got in big trouble for putting out a bunch of faked and like fabricated abortion videos and videos of like abortion, supposed abortion doctors talking about like eyeballs falling on their laps while they were performing abortions. And apparently Danzig did fall for that. Danzig has also stuck up for Donald Trump's Muslim travel ban, stating, quote, It's not really a travel ban. When you walk into the country, we want to see who you are and what you're doing. Well, when I go to every country right now, they look at me and they see whether I can come in or not. And I've been turned away from Canada and other places before. Where's my protest? Where's my parade? End quote. Fucking damn. Yeah, asshole. He sounds more like a weird conspiracy theorist, libertarian, self-centered asshole to me. Like kind of selfish and kind of naive hey where's my parade where's my participation trophy and man shove that fucking bullshit up your ass you fucking morons yeah well danzig is a little bit of a dipshit who cares i guess he's not a nazi and he can sing A little dumb, a little naive and dumb, like libertarian-level stupid, but I don't think he's evil. Just not very smart. Fine. In February of 2020, I went on my very first ghost hunt with the good folks of Sevende. We visited a warehouse in an old part of San Diego that Johnny from Sevende both lived in and had a really weird and possibly paranormal experience. Nothing happened to us on that ghost hunt, Other than encountering a room filled with human poop. That shit haunts me to this day. Bada bing. Yes, indeed. No ghosts. So no ghosts on that one. That ghost hunt was a big first for me. And also something I planned on doing much, much more of in 2020. Fucking COVID. There were a ton of firsts for me on the Bobcast in 2020. Which were all super rad. We're going to talk about those as they kind of come up throughout this episode. For now, though, instead of a clip from that paranormal investigation with Sevende, let's listen to a song. The Valentine's Day special episode that came out in February of 2020 was really rad. There were a ton of great bands and even short interview segments with members of each band. Graham from Broccoli. I love talking to that dude, by the way. He is cool as shit. Well, he is a drummer, so, you know, duh. Lost Avenue in that Valentine's Day special. My God, what a band. Those people from Northern Ireland in Lost Avenue really know their way around a song. I mean, holy shit, what a band. I talked to Dylan from Lost Avenue in that Valentine's Day episode, and I played two of their songs. That's how much I love this band. Very sadly, Lost Avenue was already broken up by the time the Valentine's Day special episode was released, though Dylan and drummer Michael from Lost Avenue had moved on to start another band called Gas Hands. And Gas Hands are equally as rad as Lost Avenue, if not even better, honestly, if that's possible. Well, let's hear a song from that Valentine's Day episode called Audrey by the band Lost Avenue right now. That is the song that made me fall in love with the band Lost Avenue and also helped me fall more in love with the Valentine's Day episode. It's like Valentine's Day in a way, you know, falling in love all over again. Here's Lost Avenue. March of 2020 was when the first quarantine and lockdown went into effect. It'll all be over by summer, huh? Yeah, 336,000 COVID-related deaths in the United States later. Here we are. I decided not to do a best and worst of 2020 episode for a reason. I think we're all tired of bad shit. I know I am. I acknowledge the bad, but I don't want to spend any time talking about it. Here's a good thing coming up. Right on the edge of COVID shutting everything down, kind of right before we even started hearing about it, I had a chance to talk to someone who literally changed my life when I was a younger person. Before I talk a little more about how the person in this next segment changed my life with his music, let me say, this is the last person in 2020 I interviewed in person in my own studio slash garage. Also a funny side story, the reason there's a guitar hanging on the wall in the studio is because of this person, and that person is Joe Wood of TSOL fame. When he first got here for the interview, he asked for a guitar. He said having a guitar in his hands would make him more comfortable while we were talking. So I ran upstairs inside, grabbed my kid's guitar, handed it to Joe, and I'm so glad I did. He did a kind of talking and playing narrative thing every once in a while during our conversation, and it was incredibly rad. He was playing riffs from songs like Flowers by the Door and Black Magic, and those are two of my favorite songs of all time, out of everything I've ever heard. The way it was happening, it felt like the songs were just for me, like they were made just for me, this dumb kid who absolutely loved the person who was sitting in front of me's music. After that, I got a wall mount for my kid's guitar, and I hung it up in the studio for future interviews, none of which have happened yet. And who knows when I'll have the opportunity to talk to somebody in the studio in person again. Who fucking knows? That guitar does sit on the wall still, waiting for the next Joe Wood to come along and bring it to life. But what an honor it was to talk to Joe Wood. Another first in 2020 for me on the Bobcast, getting to talk to someone like Joe. The Joe Wood years at TSOL were absolutely incredible. It gave a much younger me a much deeper appreciation of music and the talent that it took to make that music, it changed my life. Absolutely did. This is a clip of Joe Wood talking about sort of the aftermath of TSOL and what TSOL and being in TSOL meant to him. Was there a moment or a period of time when you were in TSOL back in those days that you were happy? When do you think your happiest moment in TSOL would have been?
2: From the time Change Today came out till um, when Ron quit.
0: Really? Okay. And when did he leave exactly? Some things happened,
2: you know. Some things happened. Um, you know. Here, let me your mic. Over. Ron had a, t- a tragedy happen in his own personal life, and you know, with, with his family, and then, um, and, and you know, and the band was taking a direction that he wasn't wanting. You know, and the drugs was a real big part of our existence. I had gotten clean then, but you know, you know, Ron and Roach were, were going strong and I, I had yeah. I was I, I was the um I was always the big fucking drug addict, fuck up of the group, you know. And then and then I got clean, you know, and then and then they and they
0: and they And they them. kept and they kept partying kinda. Of and, and, and
2: and you know, it's just the circumstances. It was nothing wrong, you know. It's nobody's fault what happened, you know. But I knew that those four letters were um were important letters for as far as staying power goes and yeah. You know, and, and so when when Ron quit, you know, we, we me, Ron, me, Mike, and, and Mitch, you know, bought him out. And and then we had, oh, and by sure, then, by then sure. we had, you know, we had people working for us. We, you know, we had, you know, we had managers and shit like that. We had yeah, big, you were big, like big, household names. Yes. That. We had it's like, really we, we had, point, um you know, so. like merchandise companies that, you know, made our shit. And God, man, you know, I, and I was just fucking still a kid, you know, I just didn't even know what the fuck I was doing. Yeah. You were in
0: your twenties, right? I 20s, mean, so that, I was in my twenties yeah. and, and then,
2: and then, and then Roach. You know, we had some problems with that and the drugs and stuff, and then um, and then he was gone. And then, then what do you do? You know? Yeah. yeah. But but uh, but then we bought. We then then we paid paid him. You know, for the name. Yeah. And uh, and that was that. Yeah. So, yeah. but but when the original members got back together, what am I going to do? I'm not going to sue him. Like you know, you can't. Right. You just got to let him. Did you
0: feel like that's not my place anymore?
2: I I'm felt just, like I'm I not, got I'm fucked out jump. of the whole fucking thing. You know what I mean? That's what I felt yeah. like because. You know, um, that was my identity. That was everything to me and, and that I had invested my, you know, trusted everything, yeah, 10 years of your life. And yeah, now that's... the original members got back together. And so I was pissed for a couple of years, you know, and, um, uh, you know, then what do you do? You just move on. Just keep going. Yeah. yeah keep moving. Yeah.
0: At least you because, have.
2: Yeah. But I, but I, but I tried to separate myself from T.S. that's why I didn't want to do it again, because I'm always the other guy of the other singer T.S. and I don't want to be that, you know, I just never wanted to be that.
0: That was never, yeah. It and just that's, happened, I and mean, that it will always like that just that's, that's always happened,
2: be. So. I will never know what ha- I will never know what what would have happened if
0: we not have called it well. Right. I will never know that those anyway. songs still would have gotten written and gotten played, but would they have gotten the amount of attention that? Or they Or would they got more? They could have gotten more. Yeah. yeah, I guess you know you can't. Or no, you that could have killed me
2: that. if they would have gotten more. That could have killed me. There you go. Yeah. So
0: hey, I guess you're here today. So, yeah. so that's a good thing in a way, you know. Yeah,
2: you know, I don't know what a good thing is or what isn't. I know that that's what happened and. And that they're still out doing their thing when years, their are 40 anniversary, what, what 10 of those years are mine. Right. And my band yeah. should be opening up for them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> there wouldn't be anything wrong with no. that. I mean, I mean I, would I, mean so. I mean, I think that was the natural thing that should have happened. You know what I yeah. mean? And, uh, yeah.
0: and they just won't, they won't let me. I, not ever being in a position like you're in.
2: It's a weird one. Because the whole the sister, the whole thing.
0: It's a very weird position. You handle it well. There's no other. There's
2: no other story about a rock band that is just this bizarre. Of, of
0: it is a very. It is yeah, a rather yeah.
2: bizarre story. It, it truly it, it is. It is. It truly it is. is. It, it, and, and and how you know their entitlement to the to the um, to the name is is well founded. You know, I mean, like sure. they're the original members. They I mean, started it, that was, I, and yeah, so their yeah. feelings are totally valid. I get that,
0: but so are mine. You know, what I mean, sure. And and the Joe Wood TSO years. Were very important. That was the majority of the years that the band was active. I say this. I say I
2: I say this. I say this in general about life and about you know especially like politics are now. I say you know I respect your opinion. I totally do, and I respect your feelings. I just I would like the same. That's all. Sure. It's just that simple. Sure. Sure. You know what I mean? That's all I want it's like I'll I'll respect. I totally respect your different point of view, and I respect you know that you see things differently but i would i would i would like to i would were, ask that you do the same do the same for me and and sometimes people just cannot do that
0: no it's true because yeah. there's a little bit too much of uh ego i'm right mate, i'd rather be I'm,
2: right than happy yeah, or that, whatever it is you know no
0: fun man. no 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 and so it's not fun you
2: know i've been i've been on both sides of that coin and i've been pissed off man and i've yeah. and I've done things that i regret and i've said things that i regret you know and sure, i won't, I won't sure. during this interview but but i have i have many times and uh And I've heard things that I regret that they said about me. (laughs) 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 But uh, but the truth is, is that you know we are family. You know whether whether they like it or not, or whether I like it or not. You know, there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of baggage and a lot of great shit that happens with all of us. Yeah, with all of us.
0: it almost sounds like the good though kind of outweighs the bad as far as depends what day it is. Go. Yeah. Yeah. I
2: guess. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's sure, really,
0: you know, sure. because um, is that how you feel? Like, yeah, it, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I do feel that way. That's exactly how I feel. It depends what day it is because sometimes I get wound up and, and I'm sure they do too, you know, and they're, you know, they're strong personality guys, man. Those guys, that's TSOl. I mean, that's a big thing. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. You know, and it's just a big entity, you know, and uh, sometimes things like that become I bigger to do, than the people that are yeah, in it too. I just right, want you know. my songs heard. I want people to know that they're mine. You know what I mean? <clears throat> and I kind want to credit pu- where credits due. I want of my fucking publishing back. <laughs>
3: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but
2: but I'm not going to get it back, you know. And and, yeah. and 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 that's just the way that the fucking chips So I'm just going to go out and play my music until I drop dead,
0: and and that's that. Do your thing. Yeah, there that's, you go. That's all I'm gonna do. By the time April of 2020 rolled around. Quarantine was in full effect, everything was shut down, everything was garbage, everything was shit. And I just mentioned that I wasn't going to talk about bad stuff in this episode, didn't I? Fuck, I lied, I guess. There was a bright light in the darkness of those times in those days of April 2020, and that light was the band Sarcasm for me. This band is absolutely one of my favorite bands right now. There's something very special about this band, and it's more than just the music. I interviewed Sarcasm in April 2020, and it got a little ruckus a a ruckus-ish. The Sarcasm is fun, the songs are fun, but they can also be kind of heartbreaking, uplifting, powerful, lovely, perfect. And I think that's it. Sarcasm, they write perfect songs. There are no flaws in the songs that Sarcasm writes. Maybe it's because Stevie, Mateo, and Alex have been in the band since their pre-teens, They've been a band for 10 years, and they're all in their early 20s. So you do the math, because I suck at math. But yeah, I think that's it. Sarcasm writes perfect songs. That's their secret to winning a spot on this Best Of 2020 episode. Here's Sarcasm with the song, Eggs.
4: sacrifices this lamb of God I bring to you but you're a vegan so I am too how could I why did I ever try
0: one good thing that did come out of quarantine and isolation in 2020 was for me the time, and the opportunity to talk to bands and people I really wanted to talk to. Les Saboteur was one of those bands. They're formerly of San Diego. Now, for the most part, have relocated to Seattle, Washington, though drummer Uriel is back in San Diego. Les Saboteur is fucking incredible. I interviewed Les Saboteur in May of 2020. I played a few songs off of their EP titled Ditch in episode 52. Here is my favorite Les Saboteur song distant hum.
5: I'm burning up and taking the time to suck it up. I'm smoking out my foolish pride. Too late, too much Of a burden healthy Now give it up I'm pawing off this broken ride Thinking maybe you know best What to do with this Maybe you're on fire You can fan the flames Of depth and impermanence That I might retire And rest these aching bones And rest these Bones And rest these aching bones at last The sirens come In the form of a distant hum That never approaches or fades away And it's so maddening All the things I had in me that got burned out or just faded away But maybe you know best what to do with this Maybe are on fire And at least I can say that there's one of us That can keep it dry Cause it's like nobody knows there's I hide out when it shows
0: By June of 2020, shit was getting crazy in the United States. George Floyd was murdered by the police in Minneapolis, Minnesota on May 25th of 2020. And people all over the country were not fucking having that shit. People took to the streets in massive numbers. The cops came out. They acted like cops. They hurt and killed more people during the protests, of course. Our very soon-to-be former president got involved by tweeting all caps, Law and Order, every single fucking day, instead of trying to heal the gaping wound that has institutionalized racism in the United States. Let's not forget that the dipshit president had protesters gassed for a photo op in front of a church in Washington, D.C. in those days. Yeah, quite a moment, huh? Honestly, I'm still shocked that, that fucking book didn't burst into flames in his evil, tiny little hands. It must have been a copy of Art of the Deal instead of an actual Bible. Around that time, I started to educate myself about what it's like to be a black person living in the United States and dealing with the horrors of racism and prejudice every day of your life. George Floyd was just one of the thousands of black people that have been killed, executed in the fucking street just because of the color of their skin. And that is fucked. Completely fucked. James Baldwin had a lot to say about what it's like being a black person living in America, especially when he was very active during the civil rights movement of the 1960s. You know what? And it's really sad. Not that much has changed since then. Not really. It's so incredibly and intolerably sad that in 2020, we still need to have conversations about racism, especially racism against black people. But here we are. So we have to deal with it. Education is key in the fight against racism. So I did an episode all about James Baldwin. And he was truly one of the loveliest, most intelligent and well-spoken people that you might not have ever heard of. But let me say, I believe James Baldwin should be part of every curriculum in every school in this country. He's that important to me. It's also very important that you listen to his words. What he said, let his words transform you. Here's a little part of episode 57, which was released on June 16th of 2020. It's a little bit about the life of James Baldwin and a part of his eulogy that was written by Baldwin's dear friend, Toni Morrison. Being part of CORE gave Baldwin the opportunity to speak and lecture all around the American South at the beginning of the 1960s, which led to quite a bit of mainstream press attention for Mr. Baldwin. Baldwin's unique analysis of white racism, his insights into the North and South of the United States, his kind of the middle ground approach. He had this kind of middle ground approach that was between the pacifism of Martin Luther King Jr. and the, you know, just resist and fight kind of attitude of Malcolm X that made him approachable to white Americans is what I think in some ways and I think that consensus is shared amongst a lot of people who've studied him much much more than I have in fact time magazine featured baldwin on its cover in its may 17th 1963 issue and time said this of james baldwin there is not another writer who expresses with such poignancy and abrasiveness, the dark realities of the racial ferment in North and South. Now here's a little tidbit, and very much worth noting. In 1960, the FBI started keeping tabs on James Baldwin. In fact, by the early 1970s, the FBI had 1,884 pages of documents on James Baldwin. He was kind of a double threat. He was a gay man. And he was also involved in the civil rights movement. Hmm. Compare that 1,884 pages of documents the FBI had on Baldwin to the 110 pages the FBI had on Truman Capote, who was also a gay writer, and the nine pages, nine pages, they had on Henry Miller. Huh. Yeah, interesting. Make, scratch your head a little on that one, huh? Let me say this, too, real quick uh, with a capital F U C K. Fuck. fuck. J. Edgar Hoover, fuck that dude to hell. Remember Cointel Pro? Yeah. Hoover also blocked the prosecutions of members of the KKK for like black church bombings in the 60s that fucking killed women and children and babies. And God, fuck that fucking dude, man. The FBI under Hoover even sent Martin Luther King Jr. a letter that urged him to commit suicide. Oh, yeah. That's nice, huh? Man. Fuck that dude. The the FBI and Hoover in that day. Oh my God. Fucking horrendous. And not even to mention, you know, the anti-communist bullshit that they were about. Blacklisting people left and right during the civil rights movement. They really stepped up their game and just got extra shitty. Um, God, fuck all of them. They're all like burning in this, the hottest hell imaginable. That's the only thing that lets me sleep at night, by the way. I do want to mention something real quick too. Kind of a sad note. Although Baldwin and Martin Luther King Jr. were acquainted, they knew each other, they weren't really friends, it seems that Martin Luther King Jr. really didn't want to be associated with James Baldwin because of the fact that James Baldwin was gay. I think Martin Luther King Jr. was a great man, really, really great man in a lot of ways, but he wasn't cool with gay people. It's because of religion. At the time, they didn't want gay men in the civil rights movement because a lot of them A lot of the leaders of the civil rights movement were fairly religious in some ways, and they had a big problem with people being gay, and that's too fucking bad, man. That is too bad. Goddamn. Uh, Religion, yeah. Yikes. Baldwin was very, very active in the civil rights movement, though he didn't want to be known as a civil rights activist. In 1979, at a speech at UC Berkeley, Baldwin referred to the civil rights movement of the 1960s as, I quote, the latest slave rebellion. He also felt that if you're a citizen, well, you shouldn't have to fight for civil rights. And he's right. You know, fuck, he is 100% right. James Baldwin was arguably, in my mind, was one of the most important people involved in the civil rights movement of the 1960s and beyond. I think it's undeniable, undeniable. Very few people could bridge the gap between blacks and whites the way that James Baldwin did. I think the world honestly, was so, so much better off with him. And he changed things. I mean, he changed things so much for the better in so many ways. And one last thing about Baldwin's role in the civil rights movement, and these are in his own words. When he was asked if he was a spokesman for the civil rights movement in a New York times book review interview in 1984, Baldwin said this, and I quote, a spokesman assumes that he is speaking for others. I never assumed that I could. What I tried to do, or to interpret and make clear, was that no society can smash the social contract and be exempt from the consequences. And the consequences are chaos for everybody in the society. I was a maverick. A maverick in the sense that I depended on neither the white world nor the black world. That was the only way I could have played it. I would have been broken otherwise. I had to say, "'A curse on both your houses.'" The fact that I went to Europe so early is probably what saved me. It gave me another touchstone, myself. By the 1970s, Baldwin was back in France, though he did move back and forth between the United States and France throughout the 70s. And 80s kinda, he kinda he he commuted between France and the United States. Interesting. Baldwin continued writing and lecturing during that time, up until he passed away of stomach cancer on December 1st, 1987. In St. Paul de Vence, France. At James Baldwin's funeral, his dear friend and fellow author Tony Morrison said this in his eulogy You knew, didn't you, how I needed your language and the mind that formed it. How I relied on your fierce courage to tame wildernesses for me. How strengthened I was by the certainty that came from knowing you would never hurt me. You knew, didn't you, how I loved your love. You knew. This, then, is no calamity. No, this is jubilee. Our crown, you said, has already been bought and paid for. All we have to do is wear it. And we do, Jimmy. You crowned us. July of 2020 saw continued protests over racial inequality across the United States. July 4th happened in a country that, in my mind is not worth the price of the paper the Constitution was written on. All Lives Matter became the mantra of the dumb and the mean, along with back the blue and thin blue line fascist bullshit. Here's a joke for you. How do you know if your neighbor's a fascist? Well, they replaced their gads and don't tread on me flag with a thin blue line American flag sometime during the summer of 2020. Summer of 2020 did one thing. It showed the public who the police in this country protect and serve. And guess what? It's not us. It's not the average person. That is, unless if you're another heavily armed white person. There were some people that came out and tried to explain what was happening and why these protests were happening in the summer of 2020, what was causing the anger that brought on the George Floyd protests. And these people came out and they talked about it. They did videos they wrote songs. They went on podcasts and talked about and tried to explain what was happening. One of the people that tried to kind of explain to the rest of us what was happening was Daryl Doc Wilson of the Bull Weevils. There's a video of the doc talking to his co-workers at the hospital he works at somewhere in suburban Illinois that came out sometime around June of 2020. and it was absolutely incredible. Doc didn't pull any punches. He talked about what it was like being a black man living in America to an audience of mostly white people, and his words were exactly what we all needed to hear then, now, and always. I interviewed Doc for an episode in June of 2020, then shortly afterward did an interview with Doc and the rest of the band, the Bull Weevils, for episode 61 that came out on July 13th of 2020. The Doc interview in June was much more serious than the Bull Weevils interview, and you know what? Laughter relieves stress. So there was some much-needed relief to talk to all the goofballs of the Bull while we were living through the stress and the pain that was summer of 2020. In tribute to the Doc and the rest of the Legion of Shame, here is my favorite Bull Weevil song, Bullet Man. atrocious August in 2020 was rad. Horror movie trivia, Scream of Jay Hawkins, Carolyn Morissette, Wolf Face, and a huge milestone for the Bobcast, the first ever Ghost Stories episode. My favorite type of episode, Gathering and Listening to Ghost Stories, absolutely my favorite. There were so many great stories in that first Ghost Stories episode, but one really stood out from the rest, and that story was Garrett O'Donnell's story. Garrett sings and plays guitar in the band Planes Mistaken for Stars and lives in a very haunted house, or did. Huh, he might have scared the ghost away, I'm not sure. You'll see. Here's Garrett O'Donnell's story from the very first Bobcast Ghost Stories episode. That was episode 64 from August 3rd of 2020. Prepare to be scared.
6: house is built in the 30s by a a mobster like this is a a factual thing like I mean it's not just like uh, urban legend like when we moved here people in the neighborhood came to be like you know up to talk about the house and tell us all about these stories you know I mean there's still like legends there's a bunch of money hidden here somewhere so this guy was a mobster and he ran uh, he, he money wandered for Capone during Prohibition. Capone moved a lot of his shit down here because uh, we're two and a half hours south of Chicago. And so, by and large, what he did is he ran it through school milk. That sounds so fucking crazy. Wow, it does. But yeah. like, but when I moved here, like the guy that lives up the street, he's a retired uh, fire chief, and he's like, hey, I have something for you. Um, I'd never met him before, and he just gave me this bottle, this glass bottle from the, the, you know, 30s or whatever, the Capone milk bottle, basically, that this guy that my house, that, that built my house, that's what he ran. Wow.
0: So, <laughs> I mean, you got, when you think about it, it's like school kids had to have milk back then, right? I mean, it was a hell of a way, it, it was like a easy, I'm sure like a kind of an easy way and a sure bet kind of thing, yeah. way to handle things, you know?
6: Yeah, it's legit. So anyway, after, the the story goes that he got kidnapped in the 50s from this house, paid his own, it was $50,000 cash. Uh, and that's like the facts. And then at some point, after his own house, so there's no blind spots. Now there is because shit's grown up over the years, but, and I was like, I don't even understand that, but over the, I've lived here eight years, and I'm realizing there's all, like, all right, so there's rebar in all the fucking windows downstairs. Like on the ground
0: level or something?
6: Yes. Like, rebar. Not like a fucking, like a grate. Like, this shit's laid in concrete. Wow. He just got real paranoid, and blah, 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 blah. So, our backyard is a church. So, there's a church, and so he sold the house to the church, and then it was uh, a parsonage for 25, 30 years. Oh, okay. So the, the pastor lived here, and then the pastor sold it to, and this is where it gets weird, fucking uh, a teen Christian counseling center.
0: Oh. Sounds like a, like a gay, so, co- gay conversion therapy camp or something like that. <laughs> you know what I mean?
6: Yes, dude. So all the doors on the upstairs lock from the outside.
0: Oh, wow! Yeah, yeah.
6: And, and uh, so the people that lived here before me were, were a mobster, a priest, and a fucking Christian counseling uh, service. Oh my god! <laughs> and, wow. and now me. So there's all. So there's all sorts of juju, you know, going on
0: here. Yeah. Like,
6: right like residual shit. The good news is that they found the right guy. They did find the I right can guy. handle it. <laughs>
0: yes, you're right. You're right.
6: Because <laughs> <laughs> I can handle it and I'm just like, alright you motherfuckers. So anyway, when we the, here's my story, here's my ghost story. It's it's really not that fantastic, but it's it's interesting. So when we came to see this house I had a little bit of trepidation because I was like, this house feels very large to me like very large not in size but in like uh weight and but it was a beautiful place my 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 lady really liked it and we it's a beautiful place so we're like we get it but the first time we there's this one fucking closet upstairs that when we came in i turned on the light and it exploded like
0: oh the bulb just burst wow
6: Yeah, just like crazy. And it was a big old bulb from like whatever, probably been up there fucking 40 years, you know? Like not not your regular fucking light bulb. And then blah, 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 all this other stuff starts happening. And the the closet that it's in goes to, I mean, the, the closet's probably the size of like a normal small bedroom. And on the other side of that, there's another closet And then there's the bathroom door. And if all the doors are open at once, you cannot get out. And if you open one at one time, this is really hard to explain. It's like a math problem. If you open one, you have to.
0: The way the doors kind of like, however you want to say it, kind of fold in. They like box you in if they're all open at the same time. Okay. Okay. I got you. Yeah.
6: Yeah. And if you don't do it right, you're fucked. And especially if you're in some sort of panic mode. Then you would just die up there. That's it. If wow. there's like a fire, there's no way. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, not you up just to code. trap
0: yourself. Yeah.
6: Yeah, and one day I went up into that closet, and the next thing I know, I wake up on the floor, right? And I wake up on the floor, and I'm in between all the doors, which oh. I don't recall why I would have opened them all, but I, I knocked myself out with these doors. Oh. <laughs> And every time I dealt with that closet, something stupid would happen: light bulbs explode, doors knock me out, fucking, whatever you name it, creepy like weird shit, right? Yeah. So <laughs> this is where I'm gonna sound like a fucking total weirdo. Uh, some years back, I went and saw a shaman, right? Okay. My yeah, friend's yeah. like, "Hey, man, it seems like you're having a hard time. Like, why not? You know, try acupuncture, try a shaman." Once you get a massage. You know what I mean? All sorts of different things. And I'll try anything once. I'm just one of those guys. Sure. You know what I mean? Like fucking, why the fuck not? You know, the world's your oyster. Sure. And so I, I, I go I go to this lady and she's and she's wonderful. She's wonderful. She's like, hey, so here's the thing. You know, like lay down, do your thing, meditate, and I'm gonna get in your head and I'm gonna come back out and I'm gonna tell you some shit. I'm like, all right, sounds good to me, you know. Yeah. It's like a normal weekend. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> and, and so she comes out and she's like, Alright, so hey, let me ask you, do you have a weird closet or anything on your upstairs level of your house? Like a weird room that you have problems with. And I know what it's like to be led. I've dealt with enough pigs in my life to know uh, here you're leading me. You lead me here. Yeah, I was like, Yeah, yeah maybe. I'm like, maybe what, what about it? What, what, what else you got to say? She goes, I'm just, I'm just seeing a room on, uh, an upstairs level of your house that you, uh, find problematic. Anytime you go in there, something weird happens. Right. And I was like, all right, cool. Bet. <laughs> I was like, bet. All right. I got you. <laughs> I got you. She goes, well, here's the, here's the thing. She's like, uh, so, what I'm getting is an an individual is hung in there, not by himself, and he's been stuck in this closet since say maybe the 30s. Does that make sense? And I'm like, oh fuck. Oh boy. All right. So, uh, I was like, all right. So say I believe what you're saying. What do I do? And she's like, well, if you can see him and he's been a problem, it's not because he doesn't like you conversely it's because you can actually see him and he just wants fucking help he's freaking the fuck out so just tell him it's cool you can cruise and i'm like all right we'll see we'll see what this what this leads to so i get back home because i was on the other side of the country with this situation i come back home and i go up there and i'm like holy fucking shit in this closet and there's like a beam that is like exactly it, 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 would, it would not much of a stretch of imagination imagine somebody being hung in there. Sure, yeah, yeah. Put it that way. <laughs> like the positioning I mean would, Yeah, yeah. Well not even the position, like I mean almost like built for nef- nefarious purposes, you know? Oh, I see what and, you're saying. Uh, okay. Yeah. So it's just like in the basement there's a whole fucking there's a whole secret other basement in this house that has like meat hooks on the ceiling. Oh,
0: yeah! You get it? Jesus Christ. You get it? I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, boy.
6: And all sorts of, I find stuff in this house all the time that I'm like, oh, wow, man. But anyway, so I just went in that room and I said, hey, homie, it's time for you to go. Quit fucking with me. Uh, You know, you want to hang out. I'm cool with that. But you got to stop acting like such a spook, dude. You know? (laughs) And never again. And never again has there been a problem. Never again have I felt even, like, the slightest of trepidation or anxiety. Just, like, I'll go in there and fucking play Pinochle by myself. It's No problem. Wow. But it used to be that I could not walk in that
0: room without starting to drive. Wow. Or get knocked out or, like, yeah, yeah. Like, something (laughs) always happened every time you walked in.
6: And I felt like I lost 40 pounds. Like, just, like, bam, boom.
0: There it is. Like a you know, big weight like, came off of you when that you know, like this dude took off. Yeah. He's gone.
6: Yeah, so either that there's something to it or I'm completely fucking bonkers. Either way, you know, there's just a whole bunch of shit we don't know about, man. You know, I mean Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. It's really that it's really that simple.
0: What about the story about for the song She Who Steps? Well, She Who Steps, I'm not I, I forget
6: what culture it's from, but that's the name of the ghost that uh that's kinda like the Night terrors, the people that sit on your face and fucking... And hold you down, uh, like the spirit hold you down. Or
0: demon or however you want to say it. Oh, okay.
6: That is a, in, in every culture, they have a different name and a different thing and a different uh, reverence to this thing. So, I mean, you're, you're going back thousands of years. There's always been this thing. And, you know, maybe it's some sort of psychosomatic fucking mental condition I don't know but I will tell you Christ I could go all sorts of deep with you with fucking talking about black magic and whatever but in- yeah. <laughs> anyway I've had I've had problems with this, these things my whole life you know and I stopped having to meet once I engaged um once I engaged and was like alright I see you how about that I'm not scared of you I see you what you got, motherfucker? Uh, and yeah. again, it, and it it could be a thing that's just something wrong with my mind, or it could be like, all right, this is something that I fucking dealt, I, I deal with, I dealt with my whole life, and now that I can talk to it, address it, it, it goes away. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's kind of yeah. crazy, like. It doesn't totally go away, it's there. And I'm like, I see you in my closet, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I know you, you can't do anything to me. So the get on, you want to talk this out? I've just fucking, yeah, just dealt with weird, weird shit. When you fucking like start like, like, like messing with things that aren't necessarily second nature, maybe they are second nature is the problem but when you start yeah. messing with things that that we're not taught to mess with like like things happen things fucking happen i'll tell you one more story this is more delayed sounding even fucking when i was a kid i was really like rabid about the library like loved it like i was like the only person i knew that was like can i go to the library
0: you know that's where you wanted to library. go yeah <laughs> Hey, we're going to go to, we're gonna go to Disney re- World on vacation. No, no, I'd rather just spend yeah. vacation at the library. Okay. <laughs>
6: yeah, you know, like that's what I wanted to do, either in the woods or at the library. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just, I wanted to find out about stuff. And when I was a child, much exactly how I am now, my interests were the arcane and or science fiction. I uh, was probably about 12. And I got all these books, and half of them were, like, I lucked out and were, like, some serious, like, fucking, like, like spell book. You know what I mean? Like, kind of about as heavy as you can get from, like, Bantam Warner or whatever the fuck. Uh, But I had all this shit, and I probably, I think the limit was seven books, all right? And uh, at the time, and so half of them were like books on like that, like man, myth, and magic. And the other half were like Flash Gordon in the '40s, you know, being cool. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. like some nerd, <laughs> some nerd shit, you know. Sure. And I had this I had this awful, awful fever dream. Like I had been reading these books all night and like trying to like understand how to mold and like. Like, find something malleable in, in these words. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so anyway, I was like, all right, I went, I went to sleep. And I woke up, and I saw this fucking, like, orb, like, red. I remember, I remember it plenty of day. It was like a fucking beach ball, but on fire. And it was like, and it hit me. And then I passed out, I guess, because I woke up in my grandparents' living room and was like, what the
0: fuck? So you were in your room well, and then that, you woke up like you got hit by this flaming orb and then you were, next thing you know, you're in a totally different room kind of thing?
6: Yeah, totally across the house. Like, wow. All right, so I wake up and in the morning, this is the trip part, is like the books when I went to bed were not in any sort of order. But when I woke up the next morning, the sci-fi books were next to my bed in a perfectly stacked row, right? And I was like, where the fuck are the rest of my library books? Because I would worry about that shit. I don't fucking, I don't, like, sneeze at fucking library fees. That shit freaks me out. Sure, sure. More than (laughs) ghosts. So I get up, and I go to get some fucking whatever Smurf berries or whatever fucking cereal was at, at, at the time and i'm like holy shit all those other books are all over the living room like thrown like somebody threw them like oh. open spines up like ones on the couch ones under the tv ones in the back right corner so it's like somebody walked in the room and just grabbed them and threw them across the living room holy shit
0: and that's the room you woke up in and too I, right
6: yeah, but I went back to bed and was like, Oh, I must have slept walk because yeah, I slept walk yeah. a million times. I slept five blocks once. But that's another story. Yes, that's another story. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I was just like, All right. So then I learned a little bit of reverence. Like I paid closer attention to what I'm doing here, man.
0: But did you think you were appro- you weren't approaching the subject with respect? Like you were being like kind of flippant and just like, eh, this is some weird shit I'm going to see. I, th-
6: I think I was a child, and if I were to e- even give it any sort of like like review to try to understand what it was without sounding like I was crazy, but there's no way to do that at this point. We're two fucking balls deep in this. You're right. Is, yeah. Uh, right. yeah. Yeah, I've arrived. Jared um,
0: it- <laughs> is here. Finally, we have him. Yes. <laughs>
6: I would. I would guess that it was like a hey. It was a wink. It was a all right, motherfucker. You ready for this?
0: Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, like okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh wow. You know what I mean? Like, are you sh- are you sure? A kind of a warning and at the same time like yeah, this can go someplace interesting if you wanna get into it a little more, you know? But also like Yeah. Like, uh you sure you wanna fuck with this?
6: I I, I, I got like, more I got more, dude, but I don't I don't wanna fucking fuck you up too bad tonight.
0: The next song coming up is from episode 72, which came out on September 28th of 2020. This episode is one I had been sitting on for a while. The whole episode is Dillinger 4's live set from my friend Paul Silver's 60th birthday party, which I recorded live on March 7th of 2020. COVID Eve, in other words. Literally a week before everything shut down. This show almost didn't happen. It was that close to those initial COVID shutdowns. I'm so glad it did, because what a fucking show this was. The Hammer Bombs, Tilt Wheel, Toy Guitar, and D4. And this was the last punk show of 2020, or ever, maybe, I don't know. I hope not. I would die happy knowing this was the last show I went to. It was that good. The song you're going to hear is Double Whiskey, Coke, No Ice. On stage shit-talking before the song by Patty. That is included for free.
7: Oh, I don't know. I guess you could say that Paul and I were probably about 14. Growing up together in Schaumburg, Illinois. Not a lot of people know that. We had just gotten done... Uh, working on mass at the church, we were altar boys together. You see, Paul Silver now. And I said, Paul, you know what? I'm sick of taking money for Jesus. I never met the guy. And I said I wrote this song, and it's about holy water. And I think I can make my nut on this. And Paul said, Daddy, you fat piece of shit. There's no money in holy water, baby. Paul Silver says to me, he said, but I tell you something. Paul Silver says, I heard the mix on the East Coast invented a new soda that's blowing up. He said, should write a song about whiskey. You make a shit ton of money. And I said, Paul, fuck you. He was 42 at the time, you understand? I said, you're old as fuck, Paul. You have no idea. And who would have thought it? That's how I bought the state of Minnesota with this little jingle.
0: It's the most wonderful time of the year. Yes, Bobtober. That's what we're talking about now. Bobtober. Halloween and October. Uh, Sorry, Bobtober. My very favorite month on the Bobcast. Horror stuff. Ghost stuff. Halloween and spooky stuff. I love it all so much. October is when all the content of the Bobcast is spooky related in nature. Here's another first from this last Bobtober. In episode 78, the Halloween special, I interviewed a very accomplished and very rad paranormal investigator, Katie Burr. Also worth noting is this interview took place in a very haunted location, the El Adobe de Capistrano restaurant in San Juan Capistrano, California. You might know Katie Burr from her time on the TV shows Ghost Lab or world's biggest ghost hunt, Pennhurst Asylum, Here's Katie in a clip talking about her time investigating Pennhurst Asylum and also talking about something that might have followed her home from that investigation.
8: But it wasn't until we went into the Devon building there, which, you know, I think we were talking about earlier that, like, you know, sometimes you... You get the history of this place, and you think, oh, okay, I know what to expect going in here, but you don't know everything that you're about to encounter. And the Devon building was exactly that. I had no idea that going into this place, we were going to encounter some darker energy. Yeah, You know, because the whole thing with Pinhurst is it was, I guess, a mental institution that, or like a state hospital, really. You know, it was run as a mental institution where they would send people that, you know, had certain I guess you know what they considered handicaps back in the day and I mean back when this place opened that could be anything you know ranging from just if if a female was having PMS she might be considered to be you know mentally handicapped and they would send her away that kind of thing I mean crazy stuff right where you're you're putting that person next to somebody with you know an actual like very low IQ and leaving these people around each other for long enough that the person who was pretty normal in you know every sense of the word is actually lowering their iq because they're not getting properly stimulated and left in this environment that's right. not you know conducive to to any kind of
0: healing or getting exactly better or like that yeah
8: exactly and i mean this place i think it was built and i could be getting my numbers wrong but i think it was built to house 500 people i think that's what it was it ended up housing i think it was like over 3,000, I believe, was the oh number. My God. It was something insane like that. Wow. And, the, you know, it was completely short staff. Like, the you know, the doctors could not be attentive because they couldn't even get in to take care of half of these patients. You know, they had adults, like, full-grown adults in cribs. They were lined up six oh inches apart gosh. from each other. Wow. And just crazy stuff going on there. So, I mean, we did expect to encounter just, you know, the kind of energy where, you know, these people are probably confused. Like, whoever's left behind is confused and maybe acting out, you know, maybe a little aggressive, that kind of thing. But, yeah. you know, not anything that wasn't human, you know, not anything that was, you know, evil or or any sense of the word. Just maybe, you know, <laughs> aggressive out of confusion, that kind of sure, thing. Sure, sure. So going into Devon, that's all I expected was, you know, it was it was the last building that we had gone in, so they kind of saved – I guess the the best for last, if you will. Yeah. Um, (laughs) You know, I was just like, okay, this is like any other building that we go in. And I remember when I first walked in there, I, you know, as I said, I was kind of opening up to my spirituality. So this is all a new experience for me. And I didn't have anything to compare it to at the time. So I noticed something's different, but I don't know what's different. I don't know how to describe what's different. I just notice it. I'm just taking notes of everything. And I remember the first time I walked in Devon – It felt different than any other building. It felt almost like a void of energy in a way. Mm. And the way that I've, I guess, like looking back, the way that I can describe it, this actually hasn't happened to me either, but the way that people describe being in an environment where a tornado is about to happen – the air gets sucked up like i guess like
0: charged almost. or what not the re- reverse of be a charge like a negativeness or something like that yeah right? a like i haven't of the air.
8: thank god haven't been in a tornado <laughs> that's actually one of my biggest fears yeah i've had it described to me where like the air almost gets sucked up out of an environment and it just feels like there isn't air like it's thick or heavy or i, I don't really know cuz i haven't experienced it uh, right yeah but Hearing that story from people and going through what I went through, I'm like, this sounds like what that feels like, except energetically, not actual physical air. It just felt like something was sucking the energy out of the environment.
3: Oh my gosh.
8: And we spent three days there, I believe. When we went down into the basement, that's where we started having these darker experiences. And I actually hadn't ever been around something where it affected someone else in a manipulative way like that. Like, I've been around people who've gotten scratched or kicked or pushed or that kind of thing, but then you leave and it's fine, you know? Yeah. But the experience that we had down there, our friend Austin that was on our team, it's it's on the show. Like, you can see it on there, where he actually started being manipulated by something that was in that environment and acting completely out of character. And this is a guy that is not... He's never looking for attention. He's happy-go-lucky all the time. Literally, his motto is, nothing bad ever happens to me. He goes around saying this, and I always used to tell him, like, Austin, you can't keep saying that because you're the guy with the target on your back if you keep saying nothing bad <laughs> right. ever happens to me. But he he swears by it. But yeah, he was the first to have something actually happen, and I was like, see, you can't go around saying this. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I had never seen anything like that, you know, and it it scared all of us. And, you know, we had – our team, the great thing about it was it kind of ranged from, you know, full believer, like having every experience to the biggest skeptic who said, you know, this doesn't exist and I'm just here to kind of like see what happens. See you what? Know? Yeah,
0: sure, sure.
8: And I'm somewhere in the middle. You know, Austin was, I, I think, also kind of in the middle with me. But, you know, having that happen, we all experienced it, you know, vicariously through him watching it. Right. And even our biggest skeptic, Max, you know, left saying – I don't know what happened. I can't explain what happened, you know. And and his uh, Austin's cousin Zach, kind of same thing, you know. He's very scientific as, as well, and he was like, I I know my cousin wasn't faking this. Like I know my cousin. He doesn't.
0: He doesn't I, act I, like this. He doesn't behave like this. No, under any circumstances.
8: Not at all. So wow. you know, he it tear it made him tear up. You know, I was trying not to cry on camera, you know, because they're turning the cameras right to me, and I'm like, no, like you're not gonna catch me. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'll cry off camera. Yeah, it definitely freaked us out. Leaving there, I am pretty sure that my experience stemmed from the Devon building because I ended up taking something home.
0: What what came home with you? What kind of what happened when you got home?
8: I'm still not sure what came home with me. I was I was back at my house and just, you know, going about my life and I started seeing something walking through my house. It appeared first as a shadow figure. Okay. That was uh, it. Was always in the same room. I had this little room right off of my kitchen where I used to keep the router and you know just all that kind of equipment. And it makes sense because that's where you know you're something's going to get the most energy to feed off of. There's a
0: bunch of electronic equipment in there. But there's stuff, electronic stuff that's using electron electricity. Yeah.
8: Exactly. So I would see everything. I would see would happen in this room. And it had a little pass-through window to the kitchen. So, you know, you're standing in the living room, you see through that window uh, into that room. And I saw something, it looked, you know, to me, I felt like it was a male presence just because it was probably about six feet or so tall and just kind of gave me that vibe that it was a male presence. Yeah, shadow figure, walk through the room, I kind of saw it out of the corner of my eye, but, you know, clear as day. I'm like, okay, I guess I have a roommate, you know? (laughs) And I've, I've lived in... Places that have had activity before. So, this wasn't my first rodeo with this stuff. But, sure. Right. You know, I just thought, okay, this is happening. As long as it doesn't mess with me, fine, whatever. A few days later, I saw the same thing, but kind of manifested a little differently, just same height. It looked more like a misty apparition hmm. walking through. And then, about a day after that, I saw the same thing. This one was a little harder to describe. It's kind of like when you see a shooting star. And the tail will be kind of that green flash. Yeah, it looked like something like that at the same height, moving through the room. So one of the questions I still have is why is this thing manifesting differently three different times?
0: Right, but every the same time it was height. a different appearance. Yeah, but roughly the same height though. Yeah. Wow.
8: It was very strange. That happened. So the the third time that I'd seen this, I had another experience happen uh, within the same hour and. I always make fun of, you know, the paranormal horror movies at how quickly stuff happens, like quick succession, just one right after the other stuff happens. And, you know, as a paranormal investigator, I'm like, it doesn't happen like that. You know, I always make fun of these movies because I'm just like, they're glamorizing it, you know, for TV sure, or for the movie
0: it, or whatever. Yeah, to make it entertaining, basically. Yeah, yeah but yeah. in
8: real life, I mean, you're sitting in a room for three hours and like something may or may not happen right. you know, once or twice. In my house, for whatever reason, this stuff was happening back to back like that. Like, I'm finally having this experience. So now I'm, you know, thinking to myself, maybe it can happen like that. If it's something darker, if it's something not as nice and, you know, a little more on that side of things, maybe that's when you do see things happen back to back, which in the movies, that's the kind of, you know, entities that, that you're it dealing
0: with. is, right. So yes. maybe there
8: is some truth to this. And I just, you know, hadn't dealt with that as much. But about an hour after the the last time I saw this apparition, my dog started growling and barking at the bathroom door and, you know, doesn't typically act like that. So I walked up to the door and the door was shut at the time. So I open it and I hear this like motorized noise. And it turns out that the electric toothbrush is on and moving across the counter by itself. And I'm yeah. like, okay, like what's going on? This is weird, you know, yeah. at this point. So I turn it off and I go back about my business and I'm like, okay, I'm going to move on. We're moving on from this, you know, and about an hour after that, it starts going off again. Same thing. And I'm like, okay, something's trying to get my attention in this house, you know, but what am I going to do about it? You know, I have to just keep moving forward. Just pay attention, you know, something else happens. We'll take note of it and I'll figure it out as I go. So I went to bed that night. And I woke up the next morning, and my boyfriend was outside with our dog, walking our dog. And I knew this because I walked out of the bedroom, walked downstairs, grabbed a Red Bull, came back upstairs, and I was, like, putting the pillows back on the bed. And there's, you know, I didn't hear him come back in, anything. But all of a sudden, I hear clear as day, he said, babe, in his voice, to me, like, loud, like he was in the house. And... I mean, it was, it was clear and loud enough for me to question if he had come back in, and I just didn't hear him come back in. Right. So I said, yeah, and nothing. There was nothing that happened after that. So I'm like, okay, I know I heard that. Absolutely, it was his voice, clear as day. So I walked out in the living room, and I could see out the window down the street that he was outside with our dog. So I'm like, okay, that happened. And this, as I said, has been happening just back to back to back, You know, I tried to go to sleep and wake up to a new day, and this is the first thing I've been greeted with. Something in this house is trying to get my attention. So, you know, he came back in, and we discussed the whole thing, and, you know, he had been having the same experiences. Like, you know, he saw the the same apparition that I saw and all this kind of stuff. So, I don't know. I kind of ended up just taking charge of the situation. You know, one thing I will say with protecting myself, you know, it's – It's still questionable if things like sage or palo santo or any of this, you know, that people swear by. I'm still on the fence if it actually works. You know, I, like I said, I'll use palo santo just in case that's kind of my go to like over sage, but whether or not it's actually doing the job, I don't know. I can't say that there's no scientific evidence to, to back this up. It's more of a, if it makes you feel better kind of thing, right? Yes. You know, burning candles, saying a prayer, all that stuff, you know, that's, that's the more, I guess, you know, could be a placebo effect. We don't know. But one thing I will say is the way that I absolutely protect myself when I can feel that something is messing with me is I just take charge. You know, it's – when you're dealing with these entities, especially if it's you know a human that's passed away, it's the same thing as a human that was alive. I mean, you have bullies in real life. You have bullies in the afterlife.
0: Sure. So It only makes sense. It really, truly only makes sense.
8: Yeah. Like, what do you do with a bully? You stand up for yourself. Right. You take charge. That's you know, the only you... way to
0: get rid of it, basically. Yeah.
8: Exactly. So, I mean, I've gotten to a point where I don't care how crazy I look even with this. You know, if my neighbors think I'm crazy because I'm running around my house screaming at the top of my lungs at this thing... I know that it gets rid of it, like I've I've actually experienced that, and that's what I did in that situation. You know, I went around screaming at the top of my lungs, like, you know, get the you know out of my house and oh, you can curse. You're totally <laughs> okay. fine cursing. Yeah, by get the, way. Get the yeah. fuck out of my house. So that's yeah, yeah. what I said. <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I mean, it left like it, it wasn't there anymore after that. Wow. So, again, I mean, I. I can't say, there's no scientific evidence that there even was anything in my house, let alone me you know, cursing at it to leave, but from my own personal experience, which is the only thing I can speak for, it was there, and then it stopped.
0: By now, you all know that I love The Misfits, right? Like I'm kind of obsessed with The Misfits. When a really good Misfits cover comes my way, I am definitely in my happy place. November of 2020 saw several Misfits cover songs on the Bobcast by two different bands. First was in episode 79, the I Love the Fest episode with two of Get Married's Misfits covers. That episode was immediately followed by episode 80, the Valerie Knox interview, which also had a couple of Misfits covers by one of Valerie's bands, The Hybrids. Oh, these Misfits covers are so good. I have to play one song by each band in this Best of 2020 episode. Here's Get Married with their cover of the song Skulls, and the Hybrids with their cover of the song Hybrid Moments.
9: Send us your skulls. Everything you got. Yeah. Your mother, your father, your brother, Everybody.
0: December and the last month of 2020. Holy shit, we made it to the end of this goddamn year. December of 2020 has been another kind of spooky, horror, paranormal-themed month here on the Bobcast, and I got to do an episode that was like the very best Christmas present to myself of all time. I got to interview one of my favorite authors, one of my top 10 favorite authors, Paul Tremblay. Back in Bobtober... I interviewed another favorite author of mine, Nathan Ballumgrud. That interview was great. It was super fun, really interesting, and I got to talk to someone who writes stories that I absolutely love. I figured, why stop with Nathan? I'd love to keep interviewing authors, especially my favorite authors. I wrote to Paul Tremblay's agent. Thank you, Stephen. We set up the interview. And here's a clip of one of my questions to Paul. Do you believe in ghosts? one of the things I talk about on this thing a lot, and I'm also very fascinated by the paranormal paranormal in, in the real world, quote unquote, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on the paranormal? Do you believe in ghosts or, you know, to, to put it so plainly, do you
10: believe in anything in the yeah. paranormal
0: might be real or not?
10: I, I most I would say like the vast majority of the time, no, but at the same time, you know, if you said, Hey, you're going to go stay overnight by yourself in a, you know, this boarded up mental hospital. i be like, fuck no, I'm not doing that. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. I don't, yeah, blame I, you. I don't, I don't want my belief to be proved wrong. I, maybe would be <laughs> the one way to look at it, but sure. no, I've been a card carrying scaredy cat afraid of the dark my whole life. So it's like, I don't know. I think as a writer, especially in novels, there's that rational part of my brain. That's always fighting with the lizard part. Right.
3: Right. You know, sure. and that's the sure. hardest
10: part to overcome all the time. It's, it's hard to overcome fear. And it's usually irrational fear that you're, you're trying to overcome. So, yeah. So I would say, you know, you know, when I'm asked that question, I'm usually like, no, I don't believe in ghosts. They scoff at it. But if I'm home by myself at night (laughs) and I hear a noise, I'm sleeping with the light on, you know, (laughs) (laughs) until the next day, you know, so I've never experienced anything. You know, I've had friends, you know, tell stories, you know, if if I were to try to explain it away, I'd say, Oh, maybe, you know, I feel, I've been reading a lot more about uh, sort of like sub, like super low frequency waves and how that messes with your head. Sure. How that occurs, how that can and does occur naturally too. And I was like, Oh, that could go to explain a lot of strange things experienced in the mountains of Alaska or, uh, or something like that. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I'd be more willing to go like the science side of thing that like there's multiverses and maybe there's like these weird <laughs> intrusions. And then like for, an like, overlap that the ocean,
0: between the two. there's just
10: like some, yeah. Or if it's like something physics that has yet to prove yet, you know, I don't know. You call it ghost. Maybe it's a weird multiverse. I don't know.
0: That's an interesting perspective. That's the first time I've ever heard anybody out of that. I've asked that question probably 50 to a hundred uh, times. And that's the first time I've heard anybody say that. That's very interesting. That's because the multiverse thing is, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> is something that could be that they talk about a lot. Like, well, it's something that's very possible, right? So you know, we just don't yeah. have any way that we don't really know right now, but it's, it's something that they think might even be likely more than just possible. Isn't that
10: right? Or may, might even be able to prove it. Sure. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. I like that. I like that a lot. I just like to say,
10: you know, cause I'm a, I'm a
0: total skeptic too. You know, I'm like, I don't know. I just say, I don't know, but I'm trying to figure it out.
10: I try not to be obnoxious about it. Like I would clearly say, we don't know everything. Science doesn't know everything. I certainly don't know everything. But I try not to have like the supernatural be my first jump to what the answer or the solution.
0: Well there you have it, folks. The best of the bobcast of twenty twenty. Some selections of my personal favorite stuff that I did on the bobcast in the year twenty twenty. I do have to say twenty twenty was a great year for the bobcast. There's no denying that as far as I'm concerned. This podcast grew from a dipshit talking about Disneyland and Tilt Wheel in mid 2019 into so much more than I ever expected it to be. I just want to say I'm really grateful for everything that I was able to do in 2020, all the time that I had to do all the stuff that I did on the Bobcast in 2020. I hope you stick with me as the Bobcast continues to grow, and I hope to be making better and better episodes for you in 2021. I've got to say a massive, massive thank you to everyone that I interviewed, everyone that I talked about, and every band that let me use a song in a Bobcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you a million times. Thank you. You made the Bobcast what it was in 2020, and I do truly appreciate that. I could go on thanking people all night because there were so many people that helped me with so many different things on the Bobcast all through 2020. I'm just going to leave it at that. Thank you. A blanket thank you. There you go. Before I end this episode, I do need to say I'm most likely taking a break for most of January of 2021. I've got a bunch of good stuff going on outside of the Bobcast in my personal life that I need to focus on for a little bit. Then I'll be back. One thing I'll be back with for sure is a deeper look at the Crescent Hotel in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. I'm going to do an episode all about the Crescent. That is going to be a great episode. Though maybe there's a possibility someone might be filling in for me while I'm on my little hiatus in January. So look out for some special episodes coming out very soon. Thank you so much for listening and spending your time with me on the Bobcast in 2020. Stick with me. 2021's going to be a fucking great year. Please remember, subscribe, rate, and review the Bobcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please consider joining the Bobcast Patreon at www.patreon.com/slash I want party with Bob for exclusive content and more. Thanks so much for listening. Here's Sensefield with their version of the song "Happy Christmas, War Is Over," and the very last thing, "Happy New Year" to you and yours. Good Thank old you for listening.
9: The dear ones, the old and the young,
3: of. Oh,